Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Now, thanks to everybody who's been listening to the podcast lately. Um, if you haven't listened to it, you can subscribe, listen to it. There's like over close, probably three, close to 300 episodes, just for you to peruse and listen to and all that stuff. But this week, I want to talk about a purchase I made, because... It's rare that, like, I make a purchase that's not something you'd expect from me, like, say, um, the entirety of No Gun's Life, which is just, just a noir about disabled people in the future. It's really what it is. Um, but, I also got something that I always kind of had my eye on, and I always knew the value of, but sometimes knowing it experiencing it are two very different things. And to give you a demonstration, I'd like to do a little reading for you. Big Wars was produced in 1993 by Tokuma and Magic Bus Productions. It's about 70 minutes long and is a big sci-fi mind control alien Conspiracy thing that takes place in the year 2376. Now, why do I why do I tell you about an obscure anime that came out in the 90s that was probably all kinds of future fucked up and, like, not future-proofed in the way that you want stuff from that, from, like, a sci-fi genre? The reason why I tell you is because I read that little entry from the... From a book called the Anime Encyclopedia, Third Revised Edition. A century of Japanese animation. And when I tell, and I've started doing basically what I just did for you guys on TikTok. Um, I've done two of them now. I will most likely do more of anime you've never heard of. The reason why I did that, why I did that, and I'm doing this is because. I've always been interested in not just anime, but animation in general. My first movie was the was Beauty and the Beast and was I saw it when I was like when I was when I was really fucking young. Like re, like probably younger than it was possible for me to super comprehend it. But just about anybody who knows that about me also knows that that, like, movie took me as a child in a way that uh, it doesn't quite take other people. That, like, didn't... It, in a way that wasn't, like, the Disney obsession. I'm sure it was that. But in a way that was about something more than just the Disney machine eating up child brains at a alarming clip. What it was and what it would come to be is a kind of lifelong love of animation and a lifelong love specifically of anime. And one of the reasons why I started this podcast and one of the reasons why I'm going to be making um, the changes I talked about at the top of the last episode to this podcast is that I wanted to talk about 
anime in the way that I experience it. In the way that I'm pretty sure a lot of fans experience anime. But they tend to let the like detritus of fandom get in the way. So I don't know if you've ever been in a um, GameStop in New York City lately. But GameStop has kind of given itself over to that like fandom detritus on the usually on the bottom level. Because they're usually the two floors, one like main GameStop floor and then one like basement floor that is basically thinking I'm thinking specifically of the one by Herald Square. And when I say fandom detritus, what I mean is as long as stuff is popular, there will always be stuff for you to buy from it. I talked um in the last episode about Odd Taxi, and one of the reasons why Odd Taxi... Why everyone's shouting at you to watch Odd Taxi is because it hasn't gotten to that popularity where someone will even make an Otakawa keychain. I made one with 3D sculpting and 3D printers, but it's somewhat surprising that you can't just buy one on the internet. I'm sure you could. But the thing about the, like... And the reason why I call it fandom detritus is because that's exactly what it is. It's not... When you buy a tracer... When you buy a tracer mask from a costume shop, some small, insignificant part of that goes back to... Well, actually, back up the lens and actually back up the lens and refocus. When you buy any kind of character good, be that, you know, a tracer figure, a figure of Noodle from the Gorillas, a figure of... of... um... Sharon Apple from Macross Plus. Some small portion of that, maybe, depending on how you made the purchase, might get back to the production of the thing you loved. But it can be a vicious cycle and it can be an odd cycle in that it doesn't... That doesn't matter if nobody watched it, if nobody watched it. Stuff doesn't get made if stuff doesn't get made. There's no way of judging how popular it is by just the naked eye of seeing the stuff around. But all that doesn't really matter in terms of your enjoyment of a show. It doesn't matter that there's nothing for me to go buy for Odd Taxi. Eventually there'll be freaking Blu-rays, I assume. And I'll be like, put them, just put them on the fucking shelf. Just put them on the shelf. Doesn't matter if like, ever watch it again, but it matters if I have the opportunity to. Um, but that means that all that detritus can hide the kind of true joy that people feel in just experiencing anime. And when you've been watching and when you've been in it for as long as I've been in it, which is over two decades now, or in many other people's cases, longer. A book like the Anime Encyclopedia becomes kind of magical and fun. It, and that sounds weird 
to hear, I'm sure, about a, anything that, that says the words encyclopedia in the name. But and I've, at this point, done the trick I just did with you, with you, the listener, three times. Twice on TikTok and now once on here. There are an untold amount of just weird little treasures that you've never heard of in this book. And one of the reasons why you want a kind of tome like this at your disposal when you're talking about anime is because you want context. And one of the things that I love about this about this encyclopedia is it will give you references to other shows that it has in this same insight in this book of like, hey, go look at this, go look at that. This is related to this, this is related to that. They give you all the production information up top. So like you can be like, oh, this was produced by the same studio as that, with the same director as this other thing. And it It has, it gives you at your fingertips this kind of industry knowledge that I don't usually, I don't, that I don't usually in a way, use in a way that's, um, as deep as this. I'm not one to tell you the head animator or the director of stuff usually. If you've been listening for a while, you almost definitely know that, unless I think it's super relevant to the experience of the show. Like, if I'm going to talk to you about Ava, we're going to have to talk about Anno. Um, you can actually go listen to me and Lauren's conversation about Ava forever ago in the feed, um, wherever you're listening to this episode right now. But the thing that does, the thing that does give you, it gives you the year, it gives you, the, like, the production company, it gives you the episode count, and the runtime of each of an episode or of the movie or whatever. And along with a short synopsis, some of them are wittier than others. Some of them are, I mean, the amount of people who wrote for this, I'm sure, is astronomical. But these, and it also gives you things like you can find, um, you can find production companies. You can find f- fandom terms in here. And um, you can find freaking Hell Girl. <laughs> um, it's just, it's a fun, it's a fun thing to kind of peruse through something that feels like a complete history, so to speak. Um, and to give you an idea, I, um, Night Warrior's Dark Daughter's Revenge, uh, I, the oldest thing that I've seen in here so far, jumping from, night, I don't remember the name of it, because I just was like, oh, that's a year, um, was something from, actually, here's something, no, that's from 2010, that's Night Raid, 1931, it, there's something from 1939, in this, in the anime encyclopedia, which, that's the other thing about a kind of resource like this, is, when you go looking for something online, 
there's a kind of laser targeting that happens and a kind of siloing that happens. Whereas if you have something like a physical book that has to be updated constantly, you can go rummaging through the book and just find random stuff like Maria X. Holic from 2008. Um, or... Kimmy Kiss Peter Rouge, 2007. Girl Girl, 1994. Quintuplets, 2001. Psychopath 2012. Psychic Detective Yumiko 2010. I remember that one. I never watched that one, but I remember it existing. Because I, I, saw, I saw it several times. In, I saw the thumbnail several times in the presence of other people. And they were like, hey, don't watch that. That's real terrible. Put them on their word on it because I want to preserve my brain space. Polar Bear Cafe. Famously, I talked about this with Lauren in a podcast that no longer exists. Um, I think we named it um, Drunk Gazelle Needs a Better Lawyer because we talked about Polar Bear Cafe and um, another thing that's somewhere in here. Um, Ace Attorney. Which are one show is glorious and the other show is a glorious in like a bad way but um <laughs> you should go look up those shows and you'll see what I mean but it's the kind of like spontaneity at which you can just wander across random really random things like um Pochico on the page opposite from Polar Bear Cafe is from 1992. And the kind of like way that they organize it makes that possible because you're looking at something that has no bias for what you like, what you're looking for, what you typed in a search bar. You are literally combing through a book. You're combing through essentially a giant glossary looking for, you know, something you come out come across Maya the Bee, which was a fifty-two episode show produced by produced by um, Nippon Animation, Peter Film, and T and TV Asashi in nineteen seventy five. Really cool stuff, and then and then they'll have a whole column on just. Leiji Matsumoto, because he's a notable director. Um, it's just... There is so much of media. And my, um... The guy who I interviewed, Taylor, uh, Cosplay Fiend on TikTok, kind of demonstrates this perfectly. There's so much media that it lost from when animation first started to now 
that's not lost in the way that like it would it disappeared in a fire that was just produced in the way that was considered to be the modern production style in some cases still is the modern production style of the time and it was deemed throwaway fluff by somebody so it wasn't necessarily the memory of the fandom didn't need to continue and wasn't saved but what that means is when like he talks about something like um, Ikitosin. People who are any younger than me and, and Taylor are like, what the fuck is this show? What? Has this always existed? Because what you're seeing and what everybody, including me, sees media through now the very targeted, focused, is a algorithmically controlled like window and in order to find some of this stuff in the anime encyclopedia the anime you've never heard of before you have to have such a specific mind to say okay I need to find Maya and the Bee from 1975 or Maya the Bee rather from 1975 and it even then it can be hard to really focus in on that stuff unless it has a cult following and actually hilariously um Maya Maya the Bee was reproduced as a um, movie, as a CG animated movie in 2012. So, my point is, is that if you're a really big anime fan and you're interested in the history of anime and you're also interested in stuff that's out there that you never would have encountered, think of looking at something like 25 years, like 25 years of anime, of Anime Interviews, which was a book that was in my art school library that I loved. Or, like, the Anime Encyclopedia. Because what it will do is it will expose you to things you have never seen before. And probably would never see, because you wouldn't go looking for it. You wouldn't know to go looking for it. And that's one of the most fun things I've had about this book since I got it. Like, I want to say two days ago. And I will continue to have that kind of fun with it all the time. But on that note, if you like this episode, new episodes come out every third day and Sunday. Sunday are more metatextual or industry focused like this one. Third days are more interviews. You can just go ch- or, or more um, reviews or my thoughts on shows. Go check out my podcast on Odd Taxi, um, which is the one just before this one in the feed. And I have been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. I will talk to you on Thursday.